Hey guys, welcome to Triple Threat Training, where my goal is to equip the saints spirit, soul, and body. From spiritual growth to mental health and physical health, my desire is to equip people to stand strong in every area of their lives. Throughout this podcast, I am bringing you trusted voices that have impacted me deeply and helped me grow spiritually, mentally, and physically. The purpose of Triple Threat Training is to address common issues that we experience in life and how we can function properly, spirit, soul, and body, just as God intended. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode of Triple Threat Training. I'm super excited for today's episode. It's just me hanging out with you guys today. Um, But we're going to be talking about spiritual battles. You know, a lot of this is coming on the heels of what June has been for my family and I. Um, My husband and I and, you know, our extended family, our close family, all of those things. And not only that, but we just came back from youth camp and we were um, with a about 160 some teens I think I heard the number was and and we were talking about developing a battle cry and the different things that you know we face in life and how we develop our battle cry as Christians and um, as I was really thinking about this you know um, the whole concept of a spiritual battle it wasn't necessarily something foreign to me because it's something that I've heard almost my entire life you know like I've, I've heard a lot of the scripture behind, you know, in um, Ephesians 6.12 that talks about, like, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, you know, and a lot of the times it was a reminder of, like, hey, we're not fighting against people, we're fighting against the the spiritual forces of darkness, and um, it was one of those things that I really wasn't aware of until, like, the last probably five years of my life, um, different circumstances that I have been through, things that I've experienced, people close to me experiencing, um, things that are going on, you know, and even just seeing the things that are going on in the world today and wondering how did we get to this point? And I'll tell you how we got to where we're at. And that is um, not taking seriously that we are fighting spiritual battles. And um, as a result of not taking that seriously, we have allowed the enemy to do exactly what Jesus said he would do, and that is to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, I mean, we see that more so in the world today between um, between COVID and between all the gender issues that are arising and the self-love culture, you know, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, that's just darkness being darkness. And it's just like, yeah, but as Christians, we carry the light and we as a re, you know, as a result of us being in a battle, you know, we're told in Second Corinthians that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not natural weapons that we're using to fight a spiritual battle. We're not using, um, you know, we're we're using spiritual weapons to fight spiritual battles, not natural weapons to fight a spiritual battle. Except for in the world today, as Christians, I feel like we're using natural weapons to try and fight a spiritual battle, and we are going into the battle ill-equipped, unequipped, and we're getting whipped <laughs> um, to just make that all flow together. And so, um, you know, in in thinking about it. Um, Everything that goes on in the natural, it's a it's a byproduct of what's going on in the spiritual. And so, um, you know, I'm I'm not negating the what happened, you know, with COVID and lives being lost. But I do fully believe that that was an attempt um, from the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. I mean, what what went on with COVID? I mean, people had a hard time breathing. That was the thing, and um, 
from the very beginning in the book of Genesis, it talks about how God breathed breath into man's lungs. And I believe that this was an attack on the breath of people, you know, of, of the breath that God breathed into each and every one of us. And, you know, with dealing with gender issues, you know, again, back in the beginning, God said, um, let us make man in our image. And so God did, and he made us male and female. Now we have all of these different identifiers for gender, and we're trying to remove male and female from terminology and just have common descriptors. And it's just like, it's an attack on the identity of God's people. And, and regardless of whether or not people are Christians, they're still made in the image of God. And regardless whether or not they're a Christian, God still breathed breath into their lungs, into your lungs, and it's it's an attack of the enemy to try and to get us to not see that what is taking place, he's stealing and killing and destroying from right in front of us. It was such an incredible time at youth camp, just getting to sit down with these teenagers, and um, it was heartbreaking all at the same time to hear some of the things that some of these teens have gone through, but to hear the hope restored of like, okay, my circumstance, it doesn't have to define me, and there's another way to fight this. Sometimes we can look at our natural circumstances and become really discouraged because in our natural mind, there is no way to fix it. There is no way to um, walk through what it is going on because maybe we got a diagnosis from a doctor that it's just like, okay, well, I have no other way but to just accept that because, well, doctors are doctors and they don't have the degree for nothing. Maybe you found out that you lost your job. You know, there's there's different things like that. And it's easy to think, oh, there's no other way. I just, I have to accept it. But the fact of the matter is, it's a spiritual battle that needs to be warred in the heavenlies. And so that's what I wanted to talk about today. Because from the very beginning, the attempt of Satan has been to uh, squelch the truth of God in our lives. In Genesis chapter 3, the serpent appeared before Eve, the devil did. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the tree of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You will surely not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so the thing is, is, is he took a partial truth of God's word, God's command that said, you should not eat from the fruit of this tree, you know, but he made it, oh, every tree in the garden and, and Eve's uh, response was, well, you can't eat it or touch it or you're going to die. Every tactic of the enemy is the same. It's just dressed differently. And that's the thing is, um, I feel like when we go through different battles, we forget that, oh, hey, this is a similar situation to something that happened in the past, but it requires a new strategy for battle. And so a familiar scripture to a lot of people is in Ephesians chapter 6, where it talks about putting on the full armor of God. But I want to read something because this was revealed to me um, this morning as I was reading it. So starting at verse 10 in chapter 6 of Ephesians, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Then in verse 13 it says, Therefore take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And so I've read through that numerous times. I've even done a study on the armor of God. What I found interesting is that not once, but twice, Paul mentions, put on the full armor of God. So the first time was in verse 11, where it says, put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Well, then he goes and he says, for our struggles, not against flesh and blood, like reminding us, because we're very human and we have a tendency to think that the people in front of us are our enemy. It says, for our struggles, not against flesh and blood. And then after he mentions that, he says, therefore, take up it means take it up. Okay, so you put it on and then you take it up. It's like, okay, it's time. So you're armed. You're ready to go. Now let's go out to battle. And reminding us of like, so I once heard of somebody who did a study on this, that, you know, Paul was in prison when he wrote this. And so it was interesting the way that he wrote is because he was looking at a Roman soldier. And he was able to be like, okay, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes of peace, and the sh uh, shield of faith and the, the sword of the spirit. And so it was like he was able to speak to to them in that time as well because they had a visual in front of them. So visualize a soldier in this too, you know. So you put on the full armor of God and then you take up that armor. When you take up an armor, it means you pick it up and you walk forward with it. And you're like, okay, let's go. It's time to go to battle. And so that right there tells us we are in a battle. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, okay, whatever. But the, the tactic of the enemy is to get us to think that this is not as serious as it really is. And that's something that I wanted to talk about today. Because when a situation happens, when something unexpected happens, you get a call from a family member saying, oh, hey, this is happening to this person, but the doctor is saying this. What's your response? Oh, well, that's really unfortunate. Or is it, no, I'm not standing for that report because God's word says this. And when I see this, I know because there's a whole thing about the prosperity gospel and the name it and claim it and all of those things. And um, I feel like there's also that attempt to shut down because it does talk about how God wants us to prosper even as our soul prospers. You know, he talks about that, that the word salvation is the word sozo and it is complete wholeness and unity and it's health, spirit, soul, and body. He wants us to experience full life, abundant life. And I know that the whole prosperity gospel movement has ruined a lot of that, but there is still truth um, in God's word according to living life to the fullness of what God had promised. And there have been many times that I have allowed the enemy to steal and kill and destroy a lot um, because I thought, oh, it's really not that big of a deal. Jesus in um, the gospels talks about a little leaven leavening the whole dough, how a little bit goes a long way. And when we think one small spiritual battle really isn't that big of a deal, suddenly we're putting down the rest of our armor and we're not even bothering to put it on. And there's a war waging around us, whether we like it or not. I mean, it doesn't matter whether our armor is on or off. There is a war going on and we have to participate as Christians because there's a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of souls that are headed straight to hell. And as Christians, we're just sitting idly by not worrying for these souls saying lord how can i go forward in battle for this but the other thing is that we allow somebody who's already been defeated defeat us and i think that was the biggest revelation that i had this week and it's like satan's already defeated like i've read the bible i know the end and i know that he's defeated so why am i allowing him to continue to defeat me in my life um, 
And we fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. We don't fight, we can't fight from a natural perspective, a spiritual war. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Fortresses, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. So right there it tells us, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. Why? Because our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces. And if we're fighting against spiritual forces, we need spiritual weapons. And the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they're divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Okay? So, because the enemy, he wants to resurrect these strongholds in our lives. Um, you know, when in Matthew chapter 11, it talks about how Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, a yoke in those times were used to bind slaves from leaving. Um, and not only that, but to bind oxen to keep them in the same track. And the enemy wants to try and keep us bound to things in the past, whether that's um, sin, whether that's uh, condemnation or just old mindsets and ideologies. He wants to keep us bound to those things so that we're not experiencing freedom in Christ, the freedom that God has given us. And we forget also that he has given us the authority to fight these spiritual battles. I used to think that when something happened, it was too late to fight. But here's the thing. Here's, a, here's another revelation that I had. Is that that's how battles are started, right? That's how wars are started is that somebody usually fires first. And um, when somebody fires first, the, the, the army or the, the command, the soldiers that they're firing at, they're ready to go to battle. They're like, oh, okay, time to take up our armor and go because they fired first and we've got to defend our territory. And that's exactly what we have to do as Christians. We have got to defend our territory because in Ephesians chapter 6, in, in chapter 6, verse 16, it says, in addition to all taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish, extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Okay, so that's his firing power is a flaming arrow from the devil. Okay, so when he fires that, we have to answer the call and move forward and say, nope, that arrow is coming down in the name of Jesus. It's not going to stick and resurrect a stronghold. It is going to be pulled out and it's going to be defeated and torn down in the name of Jesus, according to the word of God. And so um, as soldiers, you know, and soldiers, when you think about it, like just, you know, you guys have probably seen war movies. Soldiers, they don't go into battle without armor, right? That would just be really, really silly. Okay. It'd be like, okay, let's go to the front lines. Well, where's your gun at? Uh, okay. Why? what would happen? They would die, right? I mean, they would have nothing to defend themselves. Like, what's the point of even going to war if they don't have something to protect them? And I love how God has equipped us to fight this war by giving us spiritual armor and spiritual weapons. Let's read through Ephesians chapter 6 verses 14 through 18. Okay, so stand firm therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish, extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, 
with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all of the saints. So the first piece of armor that is mentioned is girding our loins with truth. That is what is called the belt of truth. Belt of truth is what holds our core. Okay, and if our core is weak, the rest of our body is weak. You guys do might not be aware how much core strength is necessary because if you don't have a, a strong core, your back is going to be weak. That's why people slouch is because the core is weak. That's why back problems are a thing is because the core is weak. Um, and so having our core, the, the core that holds and strengthens everything else girded with the truth of God's word, it is going to hold everything else in place. Okay, so the second one is the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, so the breastplate, what does it protect? It protects our hearts, or protects our hearts. Proverbs 3, it says, guard your heart, for from it flows the wellspring of life. Okay, so it's not just our physical hearts, but it's our, it's our spiritual heart as well that this is protecting. Remember, this is spiritual armor, okay, because there's a lot of things that come unforgiveness. We're going through uh, Lisa Terakir's Forgiving What You Can't Forget. And we're talking about unforgiveness and, and how heavy and hurtful those things are and what it does to us and the power of forgiveness and how there's a lot of things that can take root in our heart. Um, unhealed hurts, unforgiveness, things that happened in the past, decisions that we've made, trauma, how the, that's the breastplate of righteousness, that's what protects us from the fiery darts of the enemy, you know, because how many of you guys know as we're healing, as we're walking through the growing process, there's a lot of those times that those heart wounds are kind of sliced back open and we realize, okay, I'm really not as healed as I thought I was, you know, but it is important that we guard our hearts. We're intentional to protect what is incoming because what is in us is what flows out of us. Jesus talks about that in the Gospels. It's not, it's not what's on the outside. It's what's coming out of you on the inside. We can put on an appearance all we want, but what's coming out of us is that reveals our heart. The third one is having shod your feet with the preparation of the Gospel of Peace. Jesus is peace. And there's a lot of things in this life that... Uh, cause a lot of chaos. I'm sure I'm not the only one who has experienced a chaotic month, but in the midst midst of all of that chaos, there has been a lot of peace because the peace that Jesus gives, it's not based upon how we feel that day. It is constant. It is unwavering. It is a um, strength for us that we can have steady footing as we walk forward in a world that's really shaky. And um, I remember going through a Bible study I believe it was Pris Priscilla Schreier's Armor of God study, and she was talking about how the soldiers, their shoes had nails on the bottom so that when they were walking forward and they were on slippery territory, they were able to dig in and pull forward. So I love that imagery with with the shoes of peace. You know how peace has nails on the bottom. So when we're walking up that slippery slope, when we're walking on unsteady ground, we are stable as all get out because we have sure footing in peace in Jesus Christ. The next is taking up the shield of faith. You know, the shield of faith isn't just some tiny little shield like that you see Captain America carrying. No, it is the length of your body. Soldiers can come together and hide behind it in every ounce. I've even heard that some of the shields covered, like kind of curved over. So like when you were bent over it, it would kind of cover the top of your head so that even as they were lobbed over the chances of it like lobbing over the top and hurting you were low and so thinking about that of like that's our shield of faith it is coming up and saying no this is what the word of god says um you know i think of like wonder woman 
I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Standing together, not only individually, but corporately as the body of Christ that is putting up our shield of faith, saying, no, this is what God's word says. This is what we're raising up our shield of faith, and we are standing on the word of God that says this. You will not steal, kill, and destroy. We are claiming this ground for the kingdom of God. We are going to war on behalf of our nation, on behalf of our country, on behalf of our city. Guys, this is why we have to war um, in prayer for our nation, our leadership, our um, city, our state, our government, all of those things. Like it's, There's a reason that we are told to pray for our leaders, and it is because of exactly what is going on in the world today. And I know that there's a lot of blinded eyes, and people aren't seeing what's going on, and that is all the more reason that we need to pray for darkness to be revealed, for light to shine in the dark areas so that the dark things can be torn down. Um, so the enemy can stop resurrecting strongholds. We can tear them down with the word of God. That's the importance of knowing what God's word says so that when we go forward in battle, we can say, no, according to the word of God, this is what I'm declaring. This is what I am standing on. The helmet of salvation. What does the helmet do? It protects our head, right? The mind is a battlefield. Oh my goodness, you guys probably know that. Dealing with mental health issues, dementia, Alzheimer's, all of those things, like it is all a battle of the mind. Nobody is exempt from dealing with some of those struggles. And we have got to be wearing the helmet of salvation. And, and Romans uh, chapter 12 talks about renew your minds according to the word of God so that you may know what is... Um, it's good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we have continually got to renew our minds, and we can only do that by girding our loins with truth, knowing what truth is, speaking it not only out loud, but continually speaking it over ourselves as well. In Proverbs, it talks about there's power, there's life and death in our tongues. You know, so we have to be careful about the words that we speak constantly, not only over ourselves, but over people. There are words that go forth that can set things in motion and I mean think about it guys God spoke the earth whatever he commanded he spoke it and it was okay and we're made in his image and if it's mentioned that words are powerful that there's life and death in the power of our tongues we have got to be watching what we're saying and I'm so guilty of that as well uh one of the last two is the sword of the spirit okay so that is the sword, that is your active case. Okay, so you've got, got your guard, you know, your shield of faith, everything guards, but this is where you get active. Okay. This is where you start waging war. Okay. Just like in the army nowadays, they have firearms. Back in that day, they had swords and the sword of the spirit. And I love how in Hebrews, it talks about how um, the word of God is living and active. It's like a sword that divides even a double-edged sword that divides even the bone and the marrow like it it's like truth reigns no matter um what when the sword of spirit the sword of the spirit goes forward um and i know one some people forget this and might not even see this as um the armor of god but i like to call it the cloak of prayer uh you know it just goes over the top and it's with all prayer and petition pray at all times in the spirit you guys prayer is so 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 
powerful. I mean, Jesus, he got up early in the morning to go meet with his father in prayer. Prayer is relationship with God. It is where we meet with him to hear, okay, Father, what is your kingdom come? Your will be done. What is it you want me to declare over this situation? Where is it, you know, what is going on? Jesus, when he was saying, hey, if I don't go, then the Holy Spirit can't come. The Holy Spirit's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to tell you what's to come, you know, and the Holy Spirit will give us discernment about the things that we need to pray over our nation, over our country. You know, we have to make sure, again, this is this is why we're wearing armor. Because we can pray amiss. We can pray things that are not right. But if it's praying according to the word of God, we can pray it forth and know that his word does not return void. I wanted to mention a few things that, as I was just thinking about uh, qualities of a soldier and, you know, different things and, and what I really needed to hear in this season and, and what I wanted to share with you guys that there are three things that I wanted to share with you. Okay, so number one is we fight from victory, not for victory. A lie of the enemy and a lie really that's easy for us to believe is that we have to fight for victory. Um, but 1 Corinthians 15, 57 um, says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Okay, so he always is continually leading us forward in triumph. Triumph means victory, okay? We're always walking forward. We are fighting from a place from victory, not for victory. And we've got to remember that when we're in battle, because it is really hard, like especially if the battle's been a long battle and you've been warring for maybe a family member, or maybe even your, the nation, um, you know, maybe even a friend or over a situation, you can get battle weary really, really easy and think, am I ever going to have the victory? But when we shift our mindset and we realize I'm fighting from victory, like you've already lost the battle. It's just a matter of putting you in your place. I've won and I'm going to keep moving forward until this is a finished thing. Um, it changes our perspective. It, it rejuvenates us and makes us realize like, man, I, I'm on the winning team. Okay. Um, again, we're fighting a defeated enemy. And he's just trying to convince us that he's not defeated. And that's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell. He's a defeated foe. And I love, okay, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Uh, we talked about this in church on Sunday, and I, and I loved this. But um, it's the revelation that Peter had of who Jesus Christ was. And um, I want to read that to you guys real quick. And it says, I'll, I'll do 13 through um 18. It says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. The thing is, is the gates of hell. Okay, so Jesus, uh, you are the Christ. Okay, Christ means anointed one. 
Um, and, and Jesus wasn't saying on Peter, I'm going to build this foundation. It was upon the revelation that Peter had that Jesus Christ is the anointed one. The gates of hell are not going to be able to prevail over Jesus Christ being the anointed one, right? They already saw that being defeated um, whenever Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. Like the gates of hell, hell cannot prevail against the power of the name of Jesus. Um, and it is Jesus who has given us the position of victory in every single battle. It does not matter what battle we are facing. We have been given the victory and we have to pray it forward, walk it forward, and walk it out. Just like in the Old Testament, how God said, like, I'm going to, all this land, it's yours. But the, the Israelites, they still had to go forward and they still had to fight those battles, right? It wasn't one of those things like, oh, we'll just hang out here and you can bring it to us or tell us where to go and we'll expect our enemies to be gone. No, there was always an enemy defending the place that the Israelites were to possess and they still had to go to battle and fight even though God was fighting on their behalf. So even though they would have victory, they still had to move forward in obedience to what God had said and walk out that battle. Okay, and it's the same with us. Even though we have the victory, there is still territory that we have to claim for the kingdom of God. And we have to tear down those strongholds and we have to remove those idols and we have to say, no, we are establishing kingdom reign here on the earth. The second thing is as victors in every battle, we have to wear the armor given to us to be able to fight from victory. Okay. Again, it goes back to, we can't fight from a place of victory if we're not properly wearing the armor that we've been given to fight from victory. It's not just some silly play armor that is, you know, we can just put on whenever. No, it is a daily armor that we have to put on whenever we are facing anything. And that's every day. We always face something. And the last point is we have a commanding officer. We are not soldiers who don't have a commanding officer. We are not um, just loosey-goosey, set on our own, having to figure out our own strategy, figure out how to fight this battle. Okay, We have a commanding officer who has the battle strategy. Okay, um, Again, I'm going to go back to the Old Testament because that is something that's just God's really been revealing to me is that every strategy was different for the Israelites, but they had to listen to him and they had to obey. And that is the thing is we get direct connection. The veil has been torn. We get to approach the throne of grace. We get to go before the Father and we get to say, what is the strategy for this battle? Because we can't just go into battle without having a strategy. We can't just go in, you know, all willy-nilly and expect to win the battle. We have got to have the proper strategy to know what stronghold needs to be torn down? What is it that I need to speak here? What is the spiritual force behind this situation? Is it a spirit of death? Is it a spirit of witchcraft? Is it a spirit of um, pride? You know, um, a spirit of fear. What is going on that needs to be torn down in this situation? Um, God gives us prayer strategies through the Holy Spirit to help us advance forward. And all we have to do is ask him, what is the strategy? And then we advance forward. Um, we don't go into battle unknowingly. We don't go into battle not knowing what's going on. He does not want to leave us in the dark about what is taking place. Um, and again, whether or not you decide to go to battle, you're still going to be affected by it. But 
we cannot sit idly by anymore and just hope it'll go away because it is going to be a battle until the end and it is only going to amp up. Um, you know, because in the New Testament it talks about how in the last days people are going to be lovers of themselves, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, you know, um, the futility of their minds. Like, God will give people over to the futility of their minds, which is just an ignorant way of thinking, and we're seeing that. Um, but we have people, souls, you know, that that need to be saved. Um, and, and we have the hope of Jesus Christ. And, and I feel like when we're not going to battle, when we're not standing against these things that the enemy is trying to do and wanting to do and is carrying forward, we're not truly caring about the people that are unknowingly being held captive by what's being, by what's going on and what's taking place. And, and we have the victory in Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, to set the captives free. You know, in Isaiah chapter 61, um, I'm reminded of what Jesus prophesied um, in, in the Gospels. But Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. Okay, the Lord has anointed me. Okay, God has anointed Jesus. And he, because, guys, I just, um, it's, it's one of those things, like, we just do not recognize the power of Jesus in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And what we carry within us sets captives free because we have the hope of freedom, the hope of eternal life, but we have to fight for it. Um, the enemy is not just going to give over captives. I mean, prisoners of war, think about it. In old, um, you know, in World War One and Two, and, and when there's prisoners of war, they don't just be like, hey, yeah, okay, we're tired of them. No, there's usually an, either a negotiation that takes place or like an absolute takeover um, from from the, the place where the pe the prisoners are, of war are from. I mean, people will literally tear down walls and, you know, to take those captives back. And we have got to do the same thing. We have to take the captives back from the enemy and we have to say, no, they are ours in the name of Jesus. So thank you guys for sticking with me today. Um, I'm actually recording this at about 10.15 at night. Um, it's been a really busy day, and so I hope this was an encouragement to you. Um, I hope there was revelation, um, if anything, to just wake you guys up and remind you, hey, we're in a battle, and you can't quit fighting. Um, and we've been given the victory, and if you need strength, he is your strength. He is your peace. Put on the full armor of God. Sit with him and ask him to bind up your wounds. Um, he's also a medic, too. Um, so thank you guys again for hanging out with me.